The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Seven ways to build wealth from scratch. Not needing any previous experience, not needing hand-me-downs, inheritances, or loads of cash. Uh, Now, I started with £50,000 worth of personal credit card debt. Bad debt, not good debt back in 2005 when I was 26 years old. Uh, And I say this with humility, but I've built a more than 100 million pound plus revenue empire, um, you know, multi-decker millionaire property portfolio. And I've turned my financial life around. Uh, And it was hard in the early days when I didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm going to give you seven ways to build wealth from the ground up from scratch. Okay, right. So the first way to build wealth from the ground up is to make sure that you are fully responsible for your money and your investments. Now, a lot of people use IFAs or they rely on trying to look for hands-free investments with other people because they haven't fully taken responsibility for managing and mastering their money. Now, whilst I don't have anything against you using an IFA, you know, if you want to see what investments are out there and to make sure that you might have, say, for example, a balanced portfolio, I think it's absolutely vital that you are fully responsible for managing your money. You never blame anybody else. You never give the responsibility um, of investing and managing your money to someone else, even if they end up investing and managing your money for you. And if they do that, then you do your full diligence and research. You make sure you're diversified and de-risked. Now, one of the reasons I wrote my book Money, which is just there, um, was because I thought that we all needed a better financial education. Look, there's, there's no ceiling and limit, is there, to what you can learn about money. There's always more to learn. Um, and as an entrepreneur, I um, am self-educated. I went to university and got a degree in architecture, which I used zero. Um, and I've not really done anything with my traditional education. I'm not leveraging my religious studies or my geography GCSEs. Get this, they taught me geography in French at school. Now I'm not hustling and using that on the, you know, on the streets of hardcore business. Use Où est la banque? Allez, allez, à gauche, puis tournez à droite. La banque est dans la gauche. <laughs> Zut alors, merde! <laughs> I don't use geography in French. But had I learned about budgeting, financing, business, economics, and there was economics, of course, at school, which I didn't choose and probably should have done. And had I been responsible for managing and mastering my own finances, then I'd have made a lot more money more quickly. Okay, the second thing, this is a fundamental, 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 fundamental rule of money. It's very simple. It's so simple, you're going to go, of course, revelation alert. Thanks, Rob, for that. But you know what? I reckon 95% of the population, of course, that's a guess, but most people are just break this rule. Never spend more than you earn. So say it with me. Never spend more than you earn. Let's say it again. Type it in. Never 
spend more than you earn. A sure way to get yourself more and more into debt is every month spend more than you earn. Now here's the thing, it can creep up on you. And this links back to point one about taking full responsibility for managing your money. If you do that, you do a proper budget um, and you, you know, save a certain amount that you, um, you earn each month. Maybe you only spend 90% of your income, but most people are probably spending 110% of their income. And if you don't really know what you're putting on your credit cards and you don't have a, you know, a budget and you, you're just not fully um, in control and aware of all the ingoings and outgoings, then you can end up earning three grand a month and spending 3,100 a month. Now, that doesn't sound like too much of a problem, but compounded over 20 years, just spending 10% more than you earn could put you in 50, 100,000 plus of debt. So never spend more than you earn. The third, I guess this is like a rule of um, seven ways to build wealth from the ground up, is to invest at least 10% of your earnings. So if you save 10% of your earnings, which is going to be the next point, and invest 10% of your earnings, um, if you think of the compounded momentum of that over a decade or more, uh, that's going to be quite significant. And you only need to earn three grand a month, five grand a month, or you know maybe you earn more. Um, but 10% of that invested with a minimum 5% return compounded and reinvested over a decade or more can be a healthy sum that actually could end up being a pension or a retirement. Now, there's this really cool um, sort of image meme. Um, it's not really a meme. It's, it's just more like a depiction of Warren Buffett's wealth over the decades. Um, and he started when he was like 12, 13, 14, investing, something like that. Uh, and I guess his net worth was, um, it, you know, let's say 12, 13 years old, it's zero. And it goes all the way to when he's sort of 50 plus, And it looks like it's hardly moved. I mean, in reality, it's 10 million on the scale, but it looks like it's hardly moved. And then he gets this massive hockey stick curve upwards. And it just almost like this exponential growth. And it goes up to, I think, I don't know, has he been at 70, 80 billion, something like that. And that is the power of compounding. So when you invest 10% for, a, when you start investing, you invest in fairly low risk assets. Uh, and then, of course, when you've got more surplus disposable income, you can invest in medium risk and high risk. Um, but that will compound. And also you're teaching yourself discipline. OK, the third then rule of um, building uh, wealth from the ground up is, to, or in, fact, in fact, I think we're on four. Um, and that is save and never touch 10% of your earnings. So SANT, S-A-N-T, is save and never touch. Now, some people say to me, but Rob, what's the point in saving money and never touching it? Surely then you just die and then you haven't had any benefit. Uh, 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 uh. Um, the reason number one that you save and never touch is so that you have a rainy day fund, a contingency fund. Number two is the, the discipline of managing your money. You can live on 80% of your earnings. You think you can't, but you can. You just have to be more creative with your spending. And um, also, a lot of people, when they're looking to save 10 or 10, 20% of their earnings, they think about, oh, how do I save 500 quid a month? Well, it's probably easier to go and earn an extra grand a month than it is to save 300 quid a month, especially if you're already, you know, pretty much at the um, the breadline anyway, whereby you're saving zero or even you're spending a little bit more than you're earning. So you can go and earn extra, do a bit of overtime and set up a part time um, business. Um, and then if you get yourself at zero where you're spending everything that you're earning and, that, and you're sort of quite stressed there where you don't feel like you can make much savings, earning an extra grand, well, that you could save 500 of that and invest 500 of that, um, you know, and that can significantly compound. 
Now, the next reason you save and never touch is because one day you'll have enough capital to, to um, earn income from the interest. So I like to roughly use the rule of 5%, which is on a capital lump, you should realistically, sustainably and scalably be able to get a 5% return on that capital. So when that savings gets to 100 grand, that's five grand a year. When it gets to a million, it's 50 grand a year. Now, by the way, you could leverage that and invest that and you could get a much higher than 5% return, but just from a safety point of view. So once you've saved a million quid liquid and you've got 50 grand a year net income likely from that at 5%, and like I said, you could get more. So the save and never touch builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. And the goal is to get the income from the capital to be able to replace your expenses, and then you're financially free and you, you are living off passive recurring income. Point five then of the seven ways to build wealth from the ground up is to invest in assets that produce income and then live off and spend the income instead of spending the capital. Um, and, if, and that's going to link me to point six as well, which is only use income from assets to buy depreciating liabilities. So let me put both of these together. When you take capital and you spend it on depreciating liabilities, you take 100 grand and you turn it into 50 grand in one to three years. You know, you buy a 100 grand car that's worth 50 grand in three years. You buy a, um, an Amiga watch or a watch out of the, um, the window that's five grand that's worth two grand in, in three years. Um, and so actually what you do is erode capital. Whereas if you take that 100 grand and invest it in, say, three or four properties, and in 10 years, the... Um, the total value doubles. And let's just assume the value of your capital. In reality, you can leverage properties so you can get a 20, 25% deposit and a 75% mortgage. So actually, you can earn on four times the capital. So you get a, a, a far higher ROI. But let's just say, for example, you put 100 grand into um, one or two properties and it, and it doubled in 10 years. That 100 grand has turned into 200 grand instead of turning into 30 grand. And from that, you might have, you know, a few thousand pounds a year rental income. And then what you do is you use the income to pay for the liabilities. So I'll give you an example here. Um, I'll often get leases on cars. I buy some cars for cash. I buy some cars on um, a business lease. I buy some cars on like a, like a, a balloon lease stroke loan payment. Um, depends on the car, depends on the, the company and the vehicle that I'm putting it through. Um, but what you can do um, is, you let's say, a, a, a Porsche Taycan, the standard model at the moment, is 700-ish pounds a month on a business lease. Um, and for us, we, if we put that through the business, we wouldn't have to pay the VAT, or we could claim the VAT back, rather. So I, I might want 750 pounds um, as income to pay for the lease for the Porsche Taycan, the new Porsche. So if I invest in um, a property that pays net after all costs, 750 pounds a month, and that might need you know, 50, 100, 150 grand of, of capital. It depends on the leverage again. It depends on the kind of property. Might put it into a multi-let property, for example, to get extra um, income, extra yield. Um, then I can put the capital into the asset. The asset can pay the, the net income and then the net income pays for the car loan. And every month, the asset brings the net income, £750 every single month. And essentially, the car is free, the capital is preserved and the capital goes up in value. And this is what most of the population don't understand. They use capital to buy cars and watches and handbags and clothes and going out for dinner, which are all depreciating assets. So they erode capital. 
and then you have to keep earning the capital over and over again. Whereas if you take capital, you ring fence it, you preserve it, you put it into an asset, the capital grows because of the capital growth. The capital creates income from the asset. The asset pays the liability. You get the liability on finance rather than paying it for cash to A, preserve the capital, and B, you only need to, to, to cover the monthly cost. You got a free car and an appreciating asset. This, when you really get this, honestly, your wealth will go up significantly and you can buy lots more expensive toys. Um, and, you know, you, you, the ownership is a myth. You know, a lot of people are, oh, well, I want to buy a, a car outright in cash because then I own it. Well, number one, you're going to sell it at some point. So you actually don't own it. You're borrowing it. Um, and, and if you think you own stuff, wait until you die and then you'll realize you own nothing. Number two is you're eroding the capital, capital down. Number three, there's the opportunity cost of capital. So, for example, if you, um, Craig has just said it on the live, he's mastered this model. Good on you, Craig. Basically, you get free cars. You, get free, you, can, you can get free living when you get this right. Um, but if you put capital, say, 50 grand into a car, um, in three years, you're going to sell that car for 20 grand, um, including all the maintenance and everything else. So it's probably cost you 30 plus five grand a year. It's probably cost you 45, 50 grand, the actual car. Um, but there's an opportunity cost of capital, which means you could have put that capital into um, an asset and that could have protected that capital and grown in value and produced you an income. So, um, you know, some people say, oh, well, all these people on social media have got these fancy cars and they don't even own them, they lease them. Well, I own some cars, but I lease others. And leasing isn't always a sign that you haven't got the capital to buy. Leasing is often a sign that you actually know what you're doing when it comes to managing and mastering money. Uh, and you can often use an asset to pay for the lease, which means you've got a free car. Now, you buy a car with 50 grand, it's worth 20 grand in three years, and then you sell it and you get your 20 grand back. But you get a lease, you don't have to put as much of the capital in. You lease it for three years and then you just swap it for a new car. So you actually get to get a new car every three years as well. And that's just, you know, one example. Of course, that works for watches. People often ask me, hey, Rob, what watch should I get? And, you know, I'm thinking about getting a, I don't know, a Rolex Submariner or a, a Tudor or something like that, or an Amiga. And they're looking at five, seven grand, something like that. And they're picking watches that would halve in value in three years. And I always say it's best to go up to 20 grand and get a Daytona because in 20 years, that Daytona would have doubled in value. So sometimes it's best to invest more capital to preserve the capital and get the appreciation um, you know, of the capital rather than spend a bit less capital, but get depreciation on the capital. Great. And then the final thing um, someone has said here, Gia said, I want to learn more about this model or strategy. Well, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can subscribe to the Money Podcast because I, I just this kind of content, if you find it useful, I do every single week on the Money Podcast. If you're watching the live, you can see behind me, um, I have a book called Money. Uh, it's a big book and it's a full deep dive on strategies and tactics and investments and stories and psychology and history and mindset and skill set and tactics of managing and mastering money. So it's all in my book, Money. All right, then finally, seven final of the seven ways to build wealth um, from the ground up is to start and scale a business and focus on sales and marketing. So a lot of people, when they think about money, they think about investment. They think about assets. They think about, you know, maybe passive investments. They think about buying a property or stocks or ISA or bonds, or maybe they think watches, classic cars. I don't know. There's lots of different investment classes, but they don't think about starting a business. Um, and in reality, the best return on investment, my business partner, Mark, and I have had equally to our um, you know, property portfolio, which is now pushing 800 units that we own, co-own and manage right up there with that. And by the way, we, Mark and I, pound for pound, think property investment is the best single asset class we've ever invested in. Of course, you've got the more proven capital growth. You've got the income and 
Um, you've got the, the utility, you know, everyone needs to, to use property um, and you've got the leverage on it. You can leverage it right up and um, better than many other classes. So it's very hard to beat. But in reality, starting a business can be an even better investment because you can leverage your sweat. You can leverage your time. Now, Mark and I started Progressive Property, which in its best year, combined with our one other training business, did £21 million top line gross revenue. Um, when we started that, um, I actually put 300 quid in a bank account from a credit card. Mark put 300 quid that he had in. We started it on 600 quid, 300 quid in each mine on a credit card. We went and bought um, some cheap IKEA furniture and a, a couple of um, secondhand Dell computers. And we cracked on and we, we sold products and then we reinvested back into marketing. We sold products, we reinvested back into marketing. We used the cash flow from the business as opposed to getting loans and you know, selling shares in, in the company. We just used cash flow to grow the business. Uh, and in the early years, um, I, I did take a focus on sales and marketing. Very early on when Mark and I were in property, we were both just doing the investing. We were both managing the property and managing raising the finance and managing the refurbs and the tenants and the lettings. And we, we worked out pretty quickly. You need to be good at sales and marketing if you want to scale any business. If you want to build a property portfolio, you need to be good at getting the deals from the agents or the vendors. You know, if you want to be really good at selling your consultancy or your training or your coaching business, you need to get leads on social media or Facebook ads or Google ads or YouTube ads. So we realized pretty quickly we had to get really good at sales and marketing. Um, it wasn't something I ever sort of wanted to do as a profession growing up. It was just something I realized if I wanted to be a successful business person, I had to pivot into. A bit like social media. Social media isn't something I originally enjoyed or wanted to do. I just do it as a labor of love and then hopefully fall in love with it because it's a necessary requirement of being a very successful business owner. So I will move where the people are. I will move where the clients are. I will move where the traffic is. I will move where the money is. That's smart business, I believe. So um, if when you start and scale a business and you reinvest, you sell products and you reinvest that capital um, to grow the business and in innovation and um, acquiring new clients and then you focus on sales and marketing. I believe marketing is the single most important function of business and sales is the second most important function of any business. When you do that, you can actually build an asset of a company that has a capital value. Um, so actually our company has become a, a vast asset. Great. So thanks for tuning in. Let me do a quick summary because I'm told by many people that the summaries are useful. Um, and also, if you've tuned in before the end of the live, please make sure you go back to the start and watch it because I think this is really important. Um, if you are watching the live, please share the video right now because I don't think there's enough education around money out there, not just in lockdowns, but in general society. Why are we not taught at school when we're taught religious studies and geography in French? Why are, not, why are we not talk about prop, taught about proper budgeting, about managing money emotions? I know that there is some basic finances taught at schools. And of course, you can choose to do economics and business studies. But, but the, the hardcore budgeting and um, you know, understanding your emotions around money um, and how they can squander your wealth and learning about the fundamentals of money, I don't think is taught enough in schools. And that's my mission to change the world in that area. So please share this video and this podcast to help other people and, you know, and pay it forward. Uh, so seven ways to build wealth from the ground up summary. Number one is learn to manage and be fully responsible for your own money. Do not give it to the responsibility of anyone else, not a husband or wife, not a parent, not an IFA, not someone that you invest in for passive investments. You are responsible. If you choose to invest in those, go in fully eyes open, having done all your due diligence. Number two, never spend more than you earn. Let me repeat that and say it after me. Never spend more than you earn. Number three, invest 10% of your earnings into investing as opposed to, you know, uh, squandering or spending 100% plus of your um, earnings. 
Number four, save and never touch 10% of your earnings and have a goal to build enough capital that you can have the um, recurring residual income cover your overhead. Number five, invest in assets that produce income. Number six, only use income from assets to buy depreciating liabilities so you can preserve and grow your capital. Number seven, start and scale a business and focus on sales and marketing first. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you found this money episode useful. Please, like I said, share this video around. Let's get more education out there around money. Let's be honest, if we all make more money, we all benefit because we can all afford each other's products and services. So we don't need to be secretive about this. And the next thing is, I fully believe that there shouldn't be any poverty in the world. I'm sure you believe that. Why, with the resources and the amount of global capital and the access to information that we have, should there be any poverty? There should not be any poverty. But I think poverty doesn't just come from a lack of resources uh, and, and maybe sort of, you know, maybe some governmental corruption in certain um, developing countries and whatever else. It doesn't just come from greed and power. It comes from a lack of information. And I believe that you, you know, when you, the more you learn, the more you earn. So let's help as many people as we can. And um, there should be no poverty in the world with the access to resources and information that we have. Um, and then finally, remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Though my favorite quote at the moment is the age old, talk doesn't cook rice. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you later on the other side when you're all millionaires. Yo.